here in the heart of the jungle, we find one of the most interesting creatures of its kind. Amazon PPC Advertising. Buried deep amongst the undergrowth with its campaigns and targeting, they hazards like keywords without conversions, unprofitable ad spend, and a mountain of ever-evolving complexity. But if you look beyond the obstacles of life here, there is hope and opportunity. We will journey to every corner of Amazon ads to explore and share the greatest treasures the jungle has to offer. This is the Amazon PPC Den podcast. What's going on, Badger Nation? It is Michael here, and I'm super excited because we are continuing. Uh, I really liked doing the last episode pack with Brent, and now we have a new guest co-host, which someone I couldn't be more excited about. Someone who I dare say has become a friend over the last few months. Uh, it is the talented Destiny Rashawn from Better AMS. And Destiny, don't worry, I will pump you up like we do, like I, like I do stick up for all my friends. Destiny, when I go on LinkedIn, after not being on LinkedIn for a little bit, what do I see? I see you dropping massive knowledge bombs uh, for the Amazon marketing community. So you are so knowledgeable. You have a fantastic way of communicating, uh, difficult to understand Amazon concepts, and you are so fired up to do so. Um, I don't know how you maintain your amazing energy levels, and it is such an honor and a privilege to have you here on the show, taking time away from your successful agency, Better AMS. So thanks for being here. I am extremely excited, especially after an intro like that. Like I feel like you set the bar extremely high. <laughs> um, I have to deliver. I am positive that you will. I have no doubt in my mind. Um, I'm g give us a little bit more info, just in case there's anyone who has maybe been living under a rock. Maybe they haven't had internet for the last year. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, give us a quick background on your who you who you are, and your entry point to Amazon advertising. Yeah, of course. So. Again, my name is Destiny Washan. I got started in Amazon advertising around four years ago now. So I think that makes me like an OG because this space is so new and upcoming that after like two and a half years, you're good to go. You know everything about Amazon. But I got started because I'm based out of Bentonville, Arkansas, which is vendor world because of Walmart. So I kind of dove in on the full Amazon consultancy side of things. And I specialized in the ad side. And I was working for like some of the largest vendors on the space, basically managing their AMG campaigns, aligning it with their AMS and at the time, the differentiation between Seller Central. So my background is not in the PL side. It was initially on the large vendor side. I combined that knowledge with what I've learned at Better AMS. And now we do full Amazon advertising management from the most incremental sponsored product, auto campaign, targeting campaigns, all the way up to full funnel DSP management. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I'm curious, uh, can you compare, because I'm super fascinated. I've never experienced the large agency side of things. You know, we've got, uh, I would say small agency. I, I would say anything under, you know, 50 employees or, you know, because there are agencies with 100 plus people there. And I've never really experienced, uh, how, how large was the agency that you worked at before uh, Better AMS? The agency was smaller scale, all things considered, but the brands we were working with were exactly what you're getting at. I mean, in order for me to get a headline search ad approved with as you guys know, is under 50 characters, I would have to talk to like shopper marketing teams, 
which would have to cross-reference with legal teams, which would have to cross-reference with external advertising campaigns just to get something as simple as a headline search out launched. So lots of red tape. Yeah, brutal. <laughs> um, so we have this awesome topic here today. Uh, and it, it is, it, it, this topic has really won the gamut uh, because before hitting the record button, we listed probably 20 topics that we could have talked about, things that were really up for us right now. And this topic did it. Um, so I think this topic is something that applies. And, and I think the reasons why we both picked it was I think it applies to absolutely everyone. Um, you, you know, the power of narratives inside anything is so, so, so powerful. And the power of the strategic narrative, like how people think about their campaigns in Amazon is so, 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 so powerful that it often can give people almost like this tunnel vision that prevents them from reaching the maximum potential that they have in their advertising campaigns. Um, I think, you know, like to me, when this comes up, I, I'm thinking of, you know, videos that I see on YouTube sometimes, um, which it's it's funny because a lot of my YouTube suggestion videos are either Amazon advertising related, Amazon marketing related, uh, classical guitar. I've been playing a lot of classical guitar lately. That was one of my quarantine goals. And I would say I'm rocking it. Um, and I think it's so crazy. Some of these headlines for some videos are like how to get 3% ACOS question mark keyword. And the thumbnail is someone who's like looking like some, some explosion went off. Um, and I, I think you've seen, and I, and I just think that's, you know, it doesn't, it's so incongruent with how a lot of people should be thinking of their campaigns. And I think you've got some experience with this too, just in like, I'm sure you have to bump up against this too. A hundred percent. Clickbait, it's a whole <laughs> different conversation on its own. But one of the biggest things I see repeatedly is comments in the groups without truly taking the time to understand someone's perspective. So the most recent example I had is the other day, someone posted a screenshot of their advertising performance last 30 days and said, what do you think about this? Spend sales ACOS possibly clicks and orders. And it was like a 30% ACOS. And my comment was not enough information. And someone else commented a 30% ACOS is way too high. So I responded, do you know the lifetime value, the margins or the brand goals of this brand? And the response I got back was, no, Miss Smarty Pants. No one obviously knows that. <laughs> and it was the simplest thing, but I see that all the time. Everyone just tries to offer this blanket, one size fits all solution without taking the time to truly understand where someone's coming from. Because if that was a launch in the supplement space at a 30% ACOS, holy crap, that'd be incredible. So why, why do we just throw out these opinions without actually taking the time to be of assistance? Mm -hmm. And you're touching on some of the common misconceptions that people actually have about, and this is so fundamental. This is so foundational. This is even pre doing anything in your campaigns. This is before you even launch. This is before you even click on the advertising tab. So this is so fundamental that if we have our thought process wrong, if we have our foundation uh, misaligned with uh, you know best practices and sort of reality, it will cloud the rest of the advertising for that particular company forever. Uh, and it's very, very difficult to break. You know, I even talked to people that have been advertising for years and years, and they had this like one seed of like misconception to begin with. And then now years later, um, you know, their, their company is doing 10 million plus, but they still want uh, an artificially low A cost because they think that's the number one goal to achieve. And it's so difficult to shake some of those core beliefs. However, we're going to try today on the show <laughs> to shake some of these core beliefs and tell you what to believe instead. Because um, <laughs> I think there's a lot of misconceptions that could be cleared up. And you touched on, I think, the first one, that goals 
on Amazon are one size fits all with obviously the most popular goal being why don't you go get a single digit lowest possible ACoS. Um, that's a big one. Um, chasing after a tiny, tiny, tiny ACoS. It is. And to go one step further, where I believe that misconception comes from is people visualize Amazon advertising as a separate portion of their business. So you have Seller Central, you have your brand goals over here, and then people take Amazon advertising, they put it in a box, they wrap it up and they say a 10% ACOS is what I need 100% of the time. And they make very drastic changes to their campaigns based off of that one individual KPI that does not align with anything that they want over here in their business. And that's wrong because Amazon advertising is a second dairy level to everything you're doing over here. So I know this is a lot of what we're about to dive into, but the first thing you need to do is take a look at your business and decide what your goals are and what needs to happen in order to get from point A to point B. So uh, some of the foundations that we can talk about is, are you wanting to have a side hustle that is just really profitable? Because if so, scalability and pushing Amazon advertising for more growth and brand awareness doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of one of the basic ones to dive into. And then there's so many other business KPIs to dive into as well. Mm -hmm. I think it's so interesting. It's so prevalent. Like people love to learn with a step-by-step playbook, like a simple PDF that's going to solve all their problems, so to speak. And... It, it, it's in every industry. It's not just in Amazon advertising. It's like uh, personal finance. Like here are the money rules to follow. Um, or it's fitness. Here's like one, here's like the only fat burning exercise you need. Or it's in re- parenting or uh, relationships. Like never say this one word when you're having an argument. It's like those kinds of things are so you know, super attractive uh, in this like information overload world that we live in. It's like, just give me the thing that I need um, to like finish up and like help me move on. And I think sometimes that can be super helpful. Like maybe there is a word that you shouldn't say when you're having a argument with a a significant other. Uh, I wonder what that word could be. (laughs) It's like, no, no, you. Um, That's probably, that's probably one word to avoid. Um, and I think while we love learning that way with, you know, if you're listening to the show, you want to know, you, you want to have these beliefs dispelled. And we, we're here to become top marketers and top advertisers so that we can really, you know, achieve the goals that we want, give our business the time and attention and strategy that it needs. Um, and if we're managing clients, like give our clients the strategy that they need. You know, I actually think it's really difficult working with clients that have goals. You know, they'll, they'll tell me their strategy and then they'll tell me their like goals. It's like, okay, I want to, you know, s- s- grow sales by 50% over the next year, but also I want my ACoS cut in, you know, I want to cut down by 75%. It's like, wait a second. <laughs> you can only pick one of those at a time. Um, yeah, so it's really difficult to to do. And the last thing I'll say about that is a lot of times when I try to talk on a video or talk on a podcast or whatever, I'm always like catching myself because I want to say like, well, this piece of advice is really best for when you're in this situation at this phase and you have these goals uh, and this other piece of information, you should do this other thing during other times. And it's really it's really difficult to weave those, uh, navigate those seas, weave that web, navigate those seas. It's difficult to sort of rectify all those things. A hundred percent. And they're constantly changing. I mean, you mentioned it perfectly. We all know brands who started seven years ago when competition was none Mm -hmm. and you can have 10% (laughs) OS and do fantastic. And then they start launching new products in 2020 and they're like, why is my ACOS so high? And Amazon advertising, yes, yes, that you may throw it out then. But that's where like Amazon advertising is not a black box. You can see how expensive it is to bid on a certain placement and you can see what you're converting on that placement. 
And that's where that incrementality becomes all the more important because you can adjust your Amazon advertising strategy for those specific goals you have. So understanding the correlation of Amazon advertising and your total business goals is incredible. That's really how you need to start viewing the business. You need to look at the different lifestyle life cycle your products in. You need to look at the competitors that are in your market. All of these things that need to be analyzed in order to create an Amazon advertising strategy. Yeah. And with that, let's get into the main segment, really how to think strategically about your campaigns. So the first thing that every single business owner, Amazon marketer needs to ask themselves about their company is what stage and scale are they operating at? And this is a, this is a, this is a big thing, Destiny. And a big thing to note with that is realistically, what stage and what goals are you wanting to operate at? Mm-hmm. So obviously the first stage in scale is sort of the, you know, uh, side hustle, solopreneur, small business comp- type of company. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is someone, you know, who is maybe they're private labeling a product. Uh, maybe they are getting started with their, you know, first, second order and they're selling and, you know, they're, they're probably not spending much, you know, maybe they're spending 5,000 a month us or less. Um, talk to us a little bit about the sort of the solopreneur stage, uh, and how, you know, that differs from these other two stages. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. So when you're in that phase, your numbers matter. And, you know, all throughout business, your numbers matter. But if you can't afford to order your next shipment of inventory, that's going to directly affect how you should be advertising on Amazon because it makes it all the more important to really focus on profitability Mm -hmm. because every dollar counts. You're not trying to drive brand awareness. You're not trying to have consumers memorize your brand story and know all about you. You're trying to have orders. So kind of the two things we always recommend looking at is your organic rank, which is on every brand owner's mind and how you can influence that with ads, how competitive the market you're in is and what your profitability goal should be based off either your funding, your personal, you know, bank account mm-hmm. and your cash flow. Yeah. So if, if that's the sort of the, the first stage in scale that we're talking about, early stage companies on Amazon, a lot of times their goal, if we, if we sort of talk about that group and then talk about goals that they have and then metrics to analyze to help achieve those goals, really a lot of these companies in that early stage, they're sort of launching. They're, they're trying to gain traction. They're trying to you know get a consistent 10 sales a day, 20 sales a day, 30 sales a day, you know, thousand a month. They're trying to, to get that initial launch phase. So when you are in this launch phase, guess what? If somebody posts a screen cap of 30% ACoS, your reaction should probably be, hey, I'm trying to launch. 30% is probably too low for what I'm actually trying to accomplish. So the the goals with launching when it comes to ad cost of sales is likely going to be high as we try to establish some of those early ranking signals uh, for some of these keywords. So that can be tricky and challenging for that early stage company when maybe you know money is tight. Uh, it was difficult to even make that first order. Uh, and, you know we're stressing about the second order. Now we need to advertise as well. So it could be super expensive getting started. And I'm curious, Destiny, if you have any thoughts or recommendations for people in this phase, because there's many, many people in this phase, um, sort of the, uh, I think Seth Godin has a book. This is probably the trough of sorrow uh, of entrepreneurship where, you know, we have a lot of excitement picking the product, doing the research. We found something. This is great. We get our product. We see it. We can feel it. it it's amazing. And then it's like, where are my sales? <laughs> um, and so this sort of trough of sorrow or the launch phase, uh, and we've had episodes here where we talk about all of those launching phases. Uh, we brought in a launch expert. Um, but when it comes specifically to thinking strategically about your 
Amazon metrics during this phase? You know, I think ACoS is an obvious one. Uh, we can't really pick a, a super low ACoS out of the gate as much as we would like to. So how do you generally make recommendations for people in this sort of early launch phase looking at their Amazon PPC metrics? Yeah, there's a few things that really stand out to me. One of those is where your organic ranking is, because at the end of the day, if you're not on page one or potentially page two, consumers really aren't going to see you. Mm -hmm. So always keep that in mind when you're running Amazon advertising in the beginning, you want to make sure you're focusing on those main keywords. You don't want to start 50 different campaigns with all this different targeting because you're not going to have the budget to sustain yeah. it it's not going to be able to be divided across all of the campaigns that you're trying to collect data on. So we always say, keep it extremely precise and focus on ranking goals. You know, some of the keywords that you're going to want to look at may be really expensive. So also be aware of your CPCs. Mm -hmm. If you're in the supplement space and you have a $3 CPC on a launch, it's going to be a hundred to 200% ACOS to even try to get close to page one. Yeah. If you're in a low competition category with 60 cent CPCs, you can be more aggressive and push more traffic and focus on those top five. So really kind of knowing what your CPCs are at and the number of keywords you're bidding on make a huge difference. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned the complexity of campaigns, you know, thinking strategically, one major strategic component is like, what campaign types are you launching and you know, how much budget are you allocating to all these different campaign types? Now, you know, aged accounts, which we'll get to later for large spenders, you know, they'll have one product in, you know, 10, 15, 20 different, different types of campaign styles. Um, but the only time that I ever recommend like nuking somebody's account is during this early stage where they're just getting started. And I look at their campaigns, they have 10 of them, <laughs> each of them with a budget of like, you know, almost nothing. And they're stressed about all the budget. And mm -hmm. I'm always like, we need to just nuke this and simplify. We need to direct all of our spend towards the top priority, which is particularly ranking in this case, and like focus our energy there. So simplicity is definitely the name of the game. And you also mentioned something pretty interesting, which I want to touch on a little bit, uh, the focus on ranking. So for somebody in this phase, what is, you know, what, what would you recommend that their actual campaigns look like? Yeah. So a few things we recommend is everyone has that list of keywords that they mm -hmm. know are extremely important because you wrote your SEO optimized listings yeah. with those. So do not overthink this process. There's no need to use any tools or software and find a list of a hundred keywords mm -hmm. to bid on. Because again, Amen. unless you have the correct budget to collect data off a hundred keywords, it's just going to be pointless for you because you're going to have one click for every keyword. So mm -hmm. stick with that core list. I recommend starting an exact match for your top five to 10 keywords. Again, if the suggested bid is ridiculously high and it's very expensive to play in this, maybe start with sub-tier, lower impression keywords to get your ranking up. But I typically do exact match campaigns just with those five to 10 keywords. We recommend running broad and phrase as you scale and get larger. So please do not take that and run with it. It's like, don't ever launch the other match types. Mm -hmm. But when you're starting to understand the correlation of Amazon advertising, exact match is a great place to start because you can bid on exact keyword. If you have an appropriate bid, you will see your ad show up specifically for that keyword. And then you can understand how to influence your bid based off your CPC and based off your placement. So we typically recommend starting with those manual campaigns. Don't recommend starting with auto campaigns in the very, very beginning because Amazon doesn't know your product yet. So that's, and then we do sometimes look at like sponsor product, product targeting. If we have a core list of competitors that we know we have an advantage over. Mm -hmm. That's really, so this is, I'm so excited uh, because bringing in my friends to be guest co-hosts, I feel like brings out such you know, different ideas. So mm -hmm. I actually have a differing thought on the automatic campaign when you first begin. Um, I think you're right. Amazon may not know your product. And if somebody launches an auto campaign and they're showing up for a lot of things that they shouldn't be, like they're, they're looking at their search term report or they have an incredibly low click-through rate, I often will advise people, hey, that's a signal that maybe you're not configured properly. Like maybe you're missing some keywords and you're missing some areas of opportunity there. Um, and then I like to sort of say like, okay, like 
maybe that is dialed in. Maybe we did launch that auto and it was working. Now we can, now we have our sort of our top five things to go after because we've already Mm -hmm. seen them convert a little bit in the auto. Um, I think both of these are, are good. And I, and I, and I try to, I'm trying to think about these two things, starting with an auto. So yeah, go ahead. To give a little bit of insight here, the reason I decided to move away from autos in the very beginning is because I started analyzing the suggested keywords and manual campaigns on a launch. Mm-hmm. And if you open up a manual campaign with a product that has no history, Amazon suggests pretty poor keywords for you. So for example, if I sell pink star sunglasses, this is the example I pulled um, when I was doing this data analysis, my suggested keywords were apparel men's sunglasses, kids' sunglasses. Mm. So they're pretty, not pretty relevant. They were relevant, but not fantastically dialed in. Right. And then when I found a random product on Amazon that had 10 reviews versus zero reviews and put it into a manual campaign, the suggested keywords were much cleaner. Mm-hmm. So I a million percent agree with you. It is a definite indicator of correlation and you definitely want to run it. I just recommend putting like a five day spacer in there to start driving sales with your main keywords. So Amazon kind of starts learning your product more and then starting that auto campaign. So it could definitely be, it should be a part of your launch phase, but maybe not the first 48 hours is how we've started viewing it. I love it. Uh, in fact, uh, so, so I've seen you talk about that before and Steven and I actually did an episode on it. Uh, and we like said, Oh, like, Destiny mentioned this and we were verifying it on RN2. I think the, I, I agree with you. The only thing I worry about and I, I caution, and here's like the, the piece of strategy is I see a lot of people potentially picking the wrong keywords to start with. So like they'll pick their, their exact match five pack and they will potentially pick the wrong keywords. And hopefully this episode helps correct some of these things. So like of the characteristics of those keywords, obviously relevance is a big one. Um, And then when you drop those Mm -hmm. in, you know, the suggested bid can sometimes be crazy, Um, but it should give you some sense, not only of the suggested bid, but once you actually start bidding on it, you'll start to get feedback back. Okay, I was bidding a dollar for these. I wasn't getting any clicks on it. Like. Now I have to bid a little bit higher. And then you can start to see that positive, that, that, you know, the data loop. Okay. And now I'm bidding a little bit higher and I'm still not getting anything. I'm, I have to, mm-hmm. how high do I have to bid here? Maybe this is a keyword I don't want to start with right now because the competition is just way too crazy. And my product is in launch phase and it's just not strong enough. And that's just not a fight that I want to go into. I'm going to swap that out and look at something else. So this sort of strategic piece is the purpose of this episode to start thinking of something analyze what comes back, like understanding these are my goals. I have particular ACOS goals right now. I need to look at the CPCs. And then that relates back to your testing budget too. So mm-hmm. if you're noticing that you're, you know, you're only getting clicks when you have to bid three, four or $5 with a small budget, you have to relate that back to your budget. And now all of a sudden, you know, there's no way that you know with a $30 a day budget or, or $20 a day budget that you could possibly go after keywords that are in the four or five CPC range to really gain traction on it. So that, if this were emerging, yeah. That that whole summation is actually like a perfect point of just, you need to be able to pivot. One, everything we do in Amazon, you need to be able to pivot. But your launch strategy is not set in stone. It's not concrete. It doesn't matter who you listen to. You will never be able to replicate the results or the external factors that made mm-hmm. any one person's launch strategy yeah. perfect. Mm-hmm. So the good thing about Amazon advertising is we can start with minimal budgets, bids and pivot and make adjustments. Mm-hmm. So as Michael said, if you see that your bids are absolutely ridiculously way too high and it's not sustainable, look at a different strategy pivot, look for, you know, maybe lower search volume keywords that aren't going to be as expensive because you're not competing against Coke or Pepsi, Mm -hmm. something like that. So the ability to pivot is extremely important in knowing when to pivot. Yeah. You know, PPC is really like a a game of like inputs and outputs. Like what are we inputting? Well, we are inputting a budget and some keywords and some bids. And then what do we get back? And, Mm -hmm. you know, the data when you're first launching might be Hey, this is 
good, like let's continue investing on this. Uh, you know, I'm increasing my ranking on this particular keyword. Uh, I'm starting to get some, you know, sales. Yes, the ACoS is high, but it's sort of right now we're, we're getting our early reviews. We're doing all these things. Uh, so you, you get these feedback loops that you either do more of it or you do less of it based yeah. off the data you're getting. And, you know, some of that challenge is knowing what to look for. Um, mm -hmm. And hopefully we are, are, are helping here uh, with some of this. A hundred percent. Yeah. So that's sort of the first bucket uh, of, of sort of stage goals, sort of just getting started. We're launching something. And of, and of course, with those, the last thing we'll say about sort of the, the solopreneur path, too, is that we could be post-launch. And sometimes when we're post-launch, you know, we've, we've sort of established ourselves for a handful of keywords. Um, now, all of a sudden, maybe we're post-launch and we want to start optimizing for straight up profitability. And here, how do those metrics change? You know, how do we strategically evaluate our metrics now with a new light post-launch? Yeah, something we love to keep in mind, of course, is still ACOS optimization becomes all the more important here, but appropriate optimization. A 10% ACOS probably does not make sense still because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, Amazon advertising plays a core role in the algorithm. And mm -hmm. if you wanted to run at 10% ACOS, that is very short-term thinking in my mind because that's not going to run in 2021, 2022. Mm -hmm. So it's all dependent on your goals, of course. But one metric we really like to look at is tacos at that point. So we like to look at our advertising spend to our total sales because this gives us a good indicator where organic ranking is. So we're post-launch phase. Ideally, we're ranking really well. So it's kind of diving in deep, drilling into what we're targeting and figuring out what we can optimize. All those long tail search terms, we can focus on profitability because they may not be influencing rank as aggressively as those top five terms, which we still want to be competitive on so that we can stay competitive on top of page one. Yeah. Would, would you say how important is it that a PPC manager, whether it be you know the owner of the company, a, a brand manager or a service provider, how important do you feel is it to track organic ranking with you, like the keywords that you're bidding on also track organic ranking? We don't do it at scale for every single keyword right. because that would be insane, <laughs> but we definitely track it with our top keywords. So mm -hmm. an example we kind of discussed prior to this episode is we have one keyword in one campaign exact match that has a 200% ACOS and we spend like over 40,000 a month on it mm -hmm. because we know it influences our organic rank and we want to yeah. win that placement because we know our other goals, our lifetime value of that product, our repeat customers. So it's that strategic thinking of what keywords are worth taking an ACOS hit to because at the end of the day, we are advertisers. If you think that every time someone created a billboard, they were able to track directly their in-store footstep increases, you're wrong. When people run billboards, it's for different goals. So mm -hmm. it's very similar when you have those certain keywords that you just want to show up for, you look at them from a different perspective because you know they are externally affecting other factors like your organic rank. Mm -hmm. So we do watch that pretty closely. Yeah. I have this theory about attribution, uh, advertising to conversion attribution is, and it is that even if you were able to track everything to a T, we still would have a very difficult time extracting the meaning out of it. Uh, I think it's, it's really easy to understand, like with a standalone Shopify store where somebody has their own e-commerce store and they're doing, you know, social media, they're just general social media. They're doing paid ads. They're doing Google ads, organic. They're doing Amazon ads. They're doing Amazon SEO. They're doing Google SEO. They're doing all of these different things. And like the biggest, most successful companies are the ones that do everything right. And it's impossible to pinpoint, Hey, if, uh, I don't know, Razor, the computer gear company sponsors somebody on Twitch how that actually impacts their Google ads performance and how that impacts their Amazon ads performance. So many things are related that, you know, when they're bidding, when they're sponsoring that person, 
how that actually translates to improvement gains in their PPC campaigns because yeah. they're, it definitely is impacting it somewhere. Somebody's searching on Amazon and they're, oh, I also saw that subconsciously even, you know, this Twitch person I follow also rec was recommending them. Let me go check that out. Click on the ad, whatever comes first or second. Even if we had all of that information, it would be uh, insane to, to try to pull out like specific decisions to a T. We've got it actually pretty easy over here in the world of Amazon, uh, to, to prevent myself going too far off the rails here. We've got it pretty easy here on Amazon. We're able to see some of the story. We're able to see how much we're spending, where we rank for some of these things. And you can just search it and look uh, where we're ranking for some of these things, total organic sales. So yes, these are things to look at. As a quick sidebar, one more sidebar, if I, if I, if I may. Tacos. A lot of people say this is like total ACOS or true ACOS. I've always thought it should be ACOTS because we're, we're modifying what the S means. So in like total ACOS, total ad cost of sales, I feel like we should be saying ad cost of total sales. We got to modify the S, not the A. These are my thoughts. I'll see what I can, do. These, can you talk to someone about this? I'll start pushing it. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> So anything left to say about the solopreneur sort of goals when we're launching, when we're post-launch, um, before we move on to sort of the next phase, which is a, a more intermediate phase? I'm going to pull a Patriot quote here where he says, you know, aim small, miss small. I like to view everything we do on the Amazon ad side is very similar. They let us start with minimum budgets and bids. So start with small data sets and test and be willing to pivot based off those tests. As a solopreneur, you're going to want to test different things because you're going to be up against much bigger players in the game. So one, again, to kind of recap everything we talked about, understand your personal goals with your brand. If you want to rank, then look at how to do that with ads. Don't try to get to a 10% ACOS. Understand the correlation between metrics and start small and test with small data sets. Then once you start kind of getting, getting around your data, understanding the different congruencies and metrics, start scaling what works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with that, let's move to sort of a more intermediate phase. Uh, this is where I would probably say people are starting to spend into the thousands uh, you know, 5,000, 6,000, crossing over 10,000, probably up to $25,000 a month in ad spend is what I would sort of approximate for this stage. And I, and I think the most common goal that I hear from people at this stage is scale. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how do I scale? I, I think it's, it's so close. And, and what's so exciting about this phase is like if somebody, if I talk to someone, they're spending $6,000 a month at a 35% ACOS, the, the potential for them to go from 6,000 a month at 35% ACOS to maybe 8,000 a month also at a 35% ACOS, ACOS, or maybe a slightly higher ACOS or even slightly lower ACOS, there's, we're finally, we've moved into a stage where we actually have much larger data sets, potentially a, a bigger market to sort of move around in. So this phase is actually really exciting. Um, and, you know, the first thing that comes up to me for people in this stage is when we're thinking about goals and we're thinking about scaling, one thing to really start thinking of is, is your product in all of the different ad types? Is your product in all the different campaign types? Because now all of a sudden, what we didn't have with the smaller scale, probably sub $5,000 a month ad account, is that now all of a sudden we do have budgets to launch an auto, to launch exact match winners, to do testing with broad and phrase, to start launching sponsored brands, to start playing around with sponsored display, to do all of the things. Now we're starting to expand and we have this sort of opportunity to start doing things that didn't make sense when we first started, when we had a small budget, because you don't want to be spread so thin. Now all of a sudden, it's so common for me to see someone spending $6,000 a month and not have sponsored brand ads. Um, and it's like, so now all of a sudden you start thinking of different things and how that relates back to metrics is you need to sort of have a beginner's mind all over again, because maybe the metrics for sponsored brands are going to be slightly different than your sponsored products. Maybe they're going to be slightly 
uh, different and you know you're gonna have to discover something new internally on how to approach that new particular ad type so this is a super exciting phase uh, to go through a hundred percent there's at least 50 different campaign types you can launch and targeting types and mm -hmm. split testing mm -hmm. when you have the spin to do it. So campaign diversification is one of the biggest things we start looking at at this point, because as with anything, if you're only focusing on one ad type that you don't have control over the variables for, there's a possibility one competitor can come in and ruin that for you. And the biggest example I always give is one, COVID happened. Everyone who had all these intense brick and mortar budgets moved them online. So we're seeing much larger vendors in the space than ever before. And vendors are willing to take a loss on keywords that you're not. Mm -hmm. So if a vendor comes in and starts bidding absolutely competitively on a sponsored product ad type, you need to have diversification in place. You need to be running product targeting because you now have established reviews. You need to be looking at sponsored brand ads. You need to look at cross-selling. So mm -hmm. all these strategies become all the more important. Yeah. Conquesting is a really large one once you start getting to this size because you can directly compete with the competitors on page one, where else when you're launching, you probably couldn't. Mm -hmm. So making sure you have a sponsored product, sponsored brand, sponsored display, product targeting showing up under all of your competitors' listings mm -hmm. is huge. And then if you have the metrics to prove that you're winning market share from your competitors, that may be you know, worth taking a loss on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's such an exciting phase because this phase is is normally when these you're you're first exploring, and I mean just like you mentioned, uh, even you can even start segmenting your sponsored products. You can so even start applying all that nuance to sponsored products. Now is when it probably makes sense to uh, you know split out uh, you know some branded terms versus non-branded terms. So you can start analyzing that a little bit more effectively. Uh, you know potentially top of funnel searches or, or mid or bottom of funnel searches, um, you know, more generic ones like holiday gifts versus, uh, you know, holiday gifts, gifts for dads, sort of more generic stuff. If you want to sort of have that kind of reach and those are going to have very different goals than, you know, if you're selling mason jars, I always do mason jars. I actually just saw an article that said, why are millennials buying all the mason jars? <laughs> I, that's all I, I didn't, I, that's all, all I read was the title, but <laughs> <laughs> so all of that, like understanding how you can start segmenting and the difference there, you know, back to the social media ification of uh, Amazon advertising and letting social media dictate too much of our strategy. Now, all of a sudden, this gets straight back to your comment, which is like, I can't determine if 30% ACoS is good or bad because I don't have enough context. This is where it makes total sense. You know, is this a branded campaign is this a non is this a competitor campaign so many people would say hey how much would you be willing to pay to literally steal a sale from a competitor most people would be like well i'm willing to go up to 150 percent a cost if i can do that if i can gain a customer that literally i was going to lose because they were searching for a competitor brand like hell yes let me pay for that so looking at the goals of all of these different categories becomes so paramount at this phase. And Amazon gives us the metrics. I mean, we have the search term report. Mm -hmm. We can see the advertised product report and see specifically how certain ASINs are performing within sponsored products. So that incrementality becomes all the more important because when you're launching, you're incremental because you have to be. When mm -hmm. you're at this phase of scaling, you're incremental so you can strategically scale. Like you said, one of the things that we do for, especially our replenishable brands, we'll take one keyword, put it in a campaign. And as you mentioned, do a top of search increase modifier and win that top of search placement 90% of the time, because you can then prove the lifetime value thereafter if people continue to subscribe and save. Yeah. And we don't get subscribe and save rate like DSP does, mm -hmm. but those are easy correlations that you can find. So mm -hmm. that becomes a lot more important. I have a replenishable brand that is, you know, basically has a really incredible brick and mortar presence, even though they started on Amazon, our target ACOS is 70%. They're like, as long as you are close to 70%, scale, scale, scale. Mm -hmm. And it's for the same purpose. People are repeat consumers. So if you're winning your major keyword, ideally when consumers come back to purchase your product, 
they're going to type in your brand name or they're going to go to their past orders. So the value of cost per acquisition becomes all the more important mm -hmm. when you're focusing on scale at that size. Yeah. So, so if I were to sort of summarize the, this phase, we want to start putting our goals in different categories here. You know, we're going to have, we're going to have the, the, you know, the old, old faithful keywords, you know, the, the things that we rank for that we do well at, and, you know, maybe the A cost there is a little bit lower. Then we have other buckets of keywords that we're going to want to be able to bid more aggressively and have higher A cost goals, you know, competitor keywords, replenishable keywords, you know, all of these things, they're all going to have different types of goals strategically. And this is, you know, that's sort of my, my, my big takeaway here is that it, there's going to be lots of discovery with new ad types, new campaign strategies as we, as we start segmenting out the strategy, which you don't really need to do when you aren't spending that much because it's, it's, it, you don't want to because you're going to spread it so thin and, you know, you're, going to, you're, only, you're only going to want to spend $10 on that competitor keyword campaign and you're going to get almost no clicks and you're going to be really frustrated with it. So this is where we can actually start doing a lot of the segmentation and we definitely want different goals for each stage there. Uh, anything else to say about the intermediate phase or should we move on to the last phase? I have a decent segue, I think. Do it up. Phases. I bet it's great. <laughs> <laughs> One thing advertisers, brand builders tend to forget or maybe not give enough weight to is the fact that if a consumer is typing in a search term on Amazon, they are looking to buy. And that is extremely important because if you pay for an in cap at Walmart or at Target, you're getting a ton of visibility, but you're not sure if consumers are going to walk down that aisle. They may walk down that aisle trying to get to the ice cream aisle. You know, there's so many different things you don't know. On Amazon, how much you pay for those keywords is all the more important because you know if a consumer is typing in that keyword they are looking to purchase whether it be in store or on platform so when you're in that intermediate phase that's why you want to invest in those keywords and that's why it may be worth taking an l on those keywords because mm -hmm. every single person you're targeting is trying to buy it's not like a facebook ad or an instagram mm -hmm. ad they want to purchase a product similar to yours mm -hmm. yeah and that brings us as we you know start talking about being in retail and things like that this brings us to large brands and, you know, large brands, I would say now we're in the realm of spending over a hundred thousand a month, uh, plus on their Amazon advertising. And here is where we start thinking of goals in a different way than we were previously. And in my experience, this is, this is a place where goals become I don't want to say least clear because it's very clear when you're a solopreneur launching. It's very clear when you're post-launch. It's very clear when you're in this intermediate phase and you have all this green open space ahead of you. Now we're at a realm where, you know, companies have been spending, you know, over a million plus on their advertising for the last 12 months uh, for, for Amazon advertising. And while I still think there's some of the similar things that we've saw previously, like, you know, we're going to have some launch campaigns there's probably still some opportunity to get in there and do some better segmentation. Uh, I just saw a large account had no sponsored display, literally zero. Um, so it's like a new, there's, there's still some new fresh opportunity there, which is, which is obvious to go after. But I think the, the big thing here, uh, at least in my experience, the goals seem to people at this phase phase almost need the most goal education almost. <laughs> yes. You're nodding your head. Yeah, no, a thousand percent. You hit the nail on the head. Mm -hmm. What we typically see is these larger brands are so used to being pitched some ridiculous proposal package for impressions and brand mm -hmm. awareness that they forget or don't realize how incremental we can get on the platform. Mm -hmm. So yeah. segmentation, as you mentioned, is huge. Oftentimes, they honestly go back to like infancy where it's like, I want a $6 ROAS because that's what we've been getting. Yeah. And then you hop in the account and you see it's 90% branded. So they're only paying for returning customers. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. understanding the goals of the platform and being able to differentiate where your ranking is versus what's brand awareness versus what's returning consumers and really looking at that consumer funnel becomes the number one most important thing to start with. And yeah. then segmenting past that. 
That is so difficult to do with large brands. It's it's almost it's almost crazy to think about like when we're just starting out our ad campaigns, we want super simple goals and like mm-hmm. super simple metrics to look at. Then we get to this intermediate phase and now all of a sudden it's like, great, let's do all the segmentation. And I actually feel like people in the, in the phases of spending, you know, 6,000 a month to 50,000 a month all know this very well. Like they're getting in there. I see this a lot where they're getting in there. They know their segmentation. They know they're doing different things. And then all of a sudden when you go over, you know, 75,000 a month, 100,000 a month. Now all of a sudden it's like, okay, let's return back to simple goals because we can't keep up uh, with all this. And they're just like, we just want blank. Uh, We want a particular ROAS, particular ACOS or a particular target. uh, I almost, I just did a particular ad cost of total sales. You know, we only want to spend 10% of our total revenue. And that really short changes. And like, yes, I think having a, a firm ad cost of total sales ratio is good but i think at the same time there's a lot of maneuverability that you can do at that large scale that i sometimes feel like for some reason i mean for for a lot of normal reasons budgetary things ad budgets move a lot differently at large brands than they do at small at you know intermediate sized ad spends you know intermediate sized ad spends you know people love to say like oh man i'm spending 25,000 i'd love to spend 50,000 at a similar you know, return, they love that exploration. And sometimes I feel like maybe at large brands, it's it's such a firm one number approach that it's almost, you're de-incentivized to yes. go out there and, and launch some exploratory campaigns. And that is something that I think more large brands can incorporate. And like you mentioned, there's we have the capabilities to report this. We have the capabilities to name campaigns properly to put things into portfolios so that you can you know at the push of a few buttons see all of your competitor branded performance and you can have you can have nuanced goals here you can have okay for our competitor branded terms we have a particular a cost for them it's going to be high it's going to be 75 percent and yeah that might clash with our overall account roas but we're not going to be confused here at one goal versus another goal. Um, so I feel like, you know, I was just talking to a, a large brand and talking about some of the segmentation and like, how is that even possible? How could you possibly do that? And it's like, the tools are there and we can create a really great nuanced structure that accomplishes pretty much whatever you dream of at that scale. Cause mm-hmm. at that scale, great product market fit, lots of budget to do what we want to accomplish. And, Okay, I'll get up. My rant is over. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly don't have a lot more to add to it because that's exactly what we see. And I do think there's some first principles of why there's that misconception. One, when you have directors and board members that are controlling holistically the business, they don't understand the nuances or the capabilities of what we have because they're not Amazon advertising experts. Mm -hmm. So they look at that one generic goal. So EDU becomes all the more important here, you know, walking through what the capabilities are. So all these big brands aren't being oversold by a package that has a fantastic ROAS and it's 90% returning consumers. Mm-hmm. So kind of that education is a really core area that I see um, being missed. And then the secondary aspect of that is the small private label brands who have scaled to the point of being extremely large brands understand the flywheel they've been through the amazon process they understand the kpis are changing a lot of these big brands are just now moving on to amazon they don't know what's possible they're used to dealing with in-store traffic where your kpis aren't perfectly correlated Mm -hmm. on amazon our kpis are pretty closely correlated there's some things we don't have but most things we can figure out Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i'm getting uh uh triggered almost (laughs) <laughs> sometimes you see, sometimes you're in a room talking, well, maybe you're in a room pre-COVID, but sometimes you're talking to people uh, at a large brand and, you know, you're, everyone in the room is a brand manager, retail experience, traditional advertising experience. And, you know, the, the, the lenses at which they're viewing advertising on Amazon is so different than the way that an Amazon marketer is analyzing it. And uh, it's, it's very difficult to, to rectify those two worlds to, to explain those things together. 
I've yeah. had experiences doing you, this and it's tricky. You truly have to start with the basics. You have to let them know what's capable, mm-hmm. which can be a whole conversation itself. But I don't know how many calls I've been on where I pulled up a direct screen share and I'm like, type in your main keyword. Do you see your product anywhere? Mm-hmm. No. I'm like, well, you can easily get an ad there. Again, yeah. Amazon advertising is not a black box. You can get an ad pretty much anywhere you want an ad if you have the correct targeting capabilities. So when they're like, oh, you can make sure we're at the very top of the search so consumers can see us. I'm like, yeah, and we can know how much it's going to cost us. So then I'll go to a brand owner and basically be like, look, this is the expected cost per day based off some variables. Is it worth it to spend this amount? And they're like, yeah, 100%. We didn't know that was possible. Mm -hmm. And if you have your campaign structured appropriately, you can pull that out very simplistically Mm -hmm. so they can always track their data. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I took ad badger through a startup accelerator, you know, I'm a lifelong bootstrapper, scrappy. How do we accomplish the most stuff with as small budget as possible? Um, I think I learned a lot from like the large brand people that I was talking with. And I, I feel like there's both groups can benefit so much like the, the nitty gritty, you know, person who did niche finder and was able to like find this like super precious diamond in the rough. And they were so scrappy and they were able to like get a campaign from zero to five grand a month in ad spend. And it's like off and sailing. I think that is super undervalued. Like that's super duper powerful because they've, they've super duper optimized everything because they didn't have big budgets. Mm -hmm. And then I think sometimes a pitfall at that you know, smaller intermediate scale is there's not as much uh, pressure to on growth. And I yeah. think what large brands have is that pressure. It's like, we have to grow by any means possible, like go make it happen. And yeah. we, we have the budgets to, to go out there and do it. So I think like merging these both, merging the nitty gritty technical expertise with budgets and, and, and firm goals, like that's what I like try to push large brands too. It's like, Hey, like, yes, let's get aggressive about goals. And also we can have like sub goals as well for all the different, um, segmentation buckets that we can put it in. Just like we were mentioning for the intermediate phase. Uh, completely agree. Yes. So that, (laughs) so, and I think, you know, to, to sort of review everything that we covered here, uh, we've covered a lot. And we've covered, you know, sort of the perils of the one-size-fits-all approach. Because um, the, the one-size-fits-all approach can definitely happen. It's definitely slanted towards large accounts and small accounts uh, where they're trying to do just like, give me the step-by-step or I'm only optimizing for one metric at a time. And I think we really fleshed out a, a nice, that sort of intermediate phase where you start thinking differently about all of your campaigns. And hopefully by now, my dear listener, (laughs) you can sort of take some time and think more about your campaigns. And honestly, I think some good takeaways to sort of turn all of this uh, theory into practice is actually start going in. And I know I love to do this inside my campaigns is just start labeling the campaigns with like what their specific goal was. Uh, Now, when you post a screen cap of something and it says, hey, my ACOS is 30% here. Now the context should be in the screen cap because you should be able to look at the campaign name and see maybe 30 as a target ACOS right inside the campaign name. So you can start to get more granular about how you analyze your data. And this was a good one. This was was, was, was for all the intellectuals. uh, That was solid. I feel like I think as you mentioned before we start, it's very meta because we're just basically saying be flexible, be willing to make changes, make adjustments, don't fit a one size fits all solution and be flexible in your strategies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes we publish these episodes and we get feedback that's just like, ah, oh, it makes so much sense now. And I think this is going to be one of those episodes where people were maybe trying to follow something super duper strict. And now it's like, oh, okay. Like now I get it. There's a feedback loop here. I look at it. Different goals for different types of things. And you'll be back next week, Destiny. And I'm super stoked about it. Um, Thank you for joining us. You made it through one full 
podcast planning session. We've been on the phone for hours today. How does, yeah, it, how does it feel? It, it feels good. It feels good. I feel amazing about that episode. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what else we come up with. Right on. Uh, so we will be here next week. Have a good one, everyone. And we will see you next time here in the Badger Den. Bye-bye.